are in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21, a message I've entitled today, Well Done. Well Done, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21. Please stand together with me out of honor to God in his word as I read. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Thank you. you may be seated. Looking at well done this morning. Even though this story that Jesus tells here is about a master and slaves, I want to relate it to maybe a boss and employees today. So there's a new CEO, and he was hired to turn this struggling company around. And the CEO wants to make an impression on the employees that he means business. So as he's touring the company on his first day, he notices a man leaning against the wall. And the CEO asks, what are you doing here? And the man replies, I'm just waiting to be paid. Well, the angry CEO says, how much do you make a week? The man says, I make about 300 bucks a week. So the CEO gives the man $300 cash and tells him, here's a week's pay. Now get out of here and don't ever come back. Well, the man takes the money and leaves. The CEO then asks the stunned workers who that slacker was. And one of the workers replies, that was the pizza delivery guy. <laughs> Let's look this morning at well done. First of all, by way of introduction, Jesus tells a parable here. This is a made-up story, a fictional story. It is a parable about stewardship, about stewardship. Again, as I told the children, a man divides his wealth among his three servants. Uh, one man, he gives five talents, according to verse 15. Another man, he gives two talents. Another man, he gives one talent. Now, let me clear that up for you. A talent is 60 denarii. Now you know what I'm talking about, right? A talent is 60 denarii. Well, no, one denarius would be basically a day's wage. This is a picture of a denarius, uh, but one denarius would be a day's wage. So today, using $15 an hour, uh, you know, the going rate around here, something like that, that would be $120, but this is 60 denarii, and so 60 denarii would be $7,200. That's one talent in today's money. Well, anyway, the man divides his wealth among his three servants. The man then goes on a journey, according to verse 14. The servants are to invest the man's wealth while he's gone. Well, in verse 19, the man returns expecting a return on his investment. He doesn't just want his money back. He wants his money back plus. Well, then there is a day of accounting. And on that day of accounting, the man commends two of his servants. He says, well done, did a good job. You made me some money. But he condemns that third servant. So what does this have to do with us? What is the interpretation of this parable for us? Well, first of all, the man is Jesus who is getting ready to go away into heaven. He's going off on a far trip, the parable says. He's getting ready to go away into heaven. The wealth is all that he has entrusted to us, whether it's the time he has given us, the talents he has given us, the treasures he has given us. It is everything that he has entrusted to us. And the investment is how we use what he has entrusted to us for his kingdom. Catch that. Not for our kingdom, not for the church. It is how we use what he has entrusted to us for his kingdom. Now, don't, get, don't misunderstand here. Don't get confused. We are saved by grace, not by good works. We are saved by grace. Paul makes that clear in Ephesians 2.8. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So we're saved by grace. However, we are saved to do good works. Look at the rest of this passage, starting at the ellipsis there in the middle. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we're saved by grace, not by works, but we are saved to do good works. Let me make it even simpler. You and I have been saved to serve. We are saved to serve. And when you think about it, Jesus came to serve. Look what he said of himself. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, not to, to be served, but to minister, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Not only did Jesus come to serve, but Jesus leads his church with servants. You call me your minister. You know what that word minister means? Servant. And we have a body of deacons. The Greek word deacon means servant. And so Jesus came as a servant. Jesus established his church to be led by servants. And in fact, Jesus calls all of us to serve. To serve him and to serve each other. But all for the sake of the kingdom all for the sake of the kingdom. So we see the man is Jesus who goes off on this journey. We see the wealth is everything he's entrusted to us. We see the investment is how we use what he has entrusted to us. And then lastly, the accounting. The accounting is judgment day. There's a judgment day for everybody. You say, well, I, I have Jesus as my savior. I don't have to face judgment day. Yes, you do. There's a judgment day for believers. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, where Paul writes, For we must all, he's including himself, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the things that we have done in the body, whether good or bad. And so there's a judgment day for believers called the judgment seat of Christ. And then there's a judgment day for unbelievers. It's called the great white throne judgment. Let me read that to you, beginning in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So the accounting in this story is judgment day, whether it's a judgment seat of Christ for us as believers or the great white throne judgment for unbelievers. So there's our introduction to this parable. So let's break it down a little bit. Let's look, first of all, at the commendation. The commendation. The man applauds two of his servants by saying, well done. We read that in verse 21, and also it's in verse 22. He tells them, well done. Both servants doubled their master's investment. They took what he gave them, they invested it, and they multiplied it. They were obedient servants. They were shrewd servants. They had been faithful to him with his wealth. Let me pause and say this. I long to hear these words from Jesus one day. I'm going to heaven. I already know I'm going to heaven. But when I get there, I long to hear Jesus say, well done. Well done. You've done well. And not only to say well done, but the one below that, the next one is, you've been faithful. Well done, you've been faithful. I long to hear these words. Now, I know Jesus won't say that I was perfect. In fact, only my mom believes that, okay? So he will not say, he will not say I was perfect. But I long to hear him say, well done, you've been faithful. And I haven't been perfect. If you question that, talk to Debbie after church, all right? I have not been perfect. But by God's grace, I have been faithful. I've been faithful to him. I've been faithful to his word. And I've been faithful to his blessings, the resources that he has entrusted to me. Let me be honest with you. I really don't care about streets and buildings made of gold in heaven. Now, that's for real. The Bible says it's true. 
the streets are paved with gold, the buildings are made out of gold. That's true. I don't care about that. I want to see Jesus. And I want to hear Jesus say, well done. You've been faithful. That's what I want to hear. And yeah, I'll hear that while I'm standing on streets of gold looking at buildings of gold, but I don't care about that. But just to hear him say, well done. You've been faithful. Let me turn it around to you. What would Jesus say to you right now? How you are using the resources he entrusted to you, and I don't know the answer to this. That's why I'm asking you. You answer it for yourself. What would he say to you right now? Would he say, well done? Would he say you've been faithful? Or would he say something else? What would he say to you right now? So we see the commendation. Two of the servants, they did what they were supposed to do. Well done. You've been faithful. But secondly, I want us to look at the condemnation. The condemnation. The one servant was disobedient. In fact, the man condemns the third servant who hid the wealth that was entrusted to him. He hid it. If you, if you notice here, uh, he says in verse 25, I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the earth. The man calls him wicked. He was disobedient. He didn't invest the money like he was supposed to. But he not only calls him wicked, he calls him lazy because he did nothing. He did nothing with the wealth that was entrusted to him. So notice what the servant does. He starts making excuses beginning in verse 24. It says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't strawed, and I was afraid, so I went and hid your talent in the earth, and here's the thing you gave me. He starts making excuses. Well, let me tell you something about excuses. First of all, there is no excuse. And excuses may work on people. It may work on your friends. Excuses may work on your family. Excuses may work on uh, fellow church members. Excuses may work on me. But excuses don't work on God. They don't work on God. You know why? He sees right through them. Now, others in your circle of influence, they might not see through your excuses. They might say, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. He did sleep in today, or his phone didn't work, or, you know, whatever. We come up with all these excuses, and they may work on us. They don't work on God. In fact, here's what the Bible says about God knowing our excuses. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God sees through everything. Save your excuses for somebody else. Don't try it on God. He's going to see right through it. And remember how we talked about that great white throne judgment where all the unbelievers are going to stand before God one day? Guess what they're going to start trying to do? Making excuses. Well, you don't understand. See, I lost my Bible. You see, you don't understand. The preacher of that church was mean. You don't understand. I had a poor childhood. Whatever, they're going to try excuses, and they will not work. Because God sees right through them. But that's what this wicked servant does. He starts trying to make excuses. And again, his excuses fall on deaf ears. So the man orders this servant, first of all, to be stripped of his wealth in verse 28. Take away the thing what he has, take it away, stripped of his wealth. And then he says, take that wicked servant and cast him into outer darkness. That's verse 30, outer darkness. And he says it's not only just outer darkness, but in this outer darkness, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I will tell you that this is a symbolic reference to eternal damnation in hell. Because hell is a place of stripping. 
Everything you are, everything you had is stripped from you in hell. And it's also a place of suffering. As he mentions here, weeping and the gnashing of teeth. It makes sense if hell is a place of suffering. Of course, people would be weeping there. But what is this gnashing of teeth? Well, really, in the Greek, it means clenching of teeth. You ever hurt yourself and you clench your teeth? Oh, that hurts. That's what hell is forever. Hell is a place of stripping. Hell is a place of suffering. But there's something else going on here. Hell is a place of fire. We know that. So how can it be dark? Again, Jesus says in verse 30, put him in outer darkness, total black darkness. And I'm telling you, he's talking about hell. So if hell is a place of fire, how can it also be dark? Well, my simple answer is supernaturally. You know, we call laws of physics what they are, uh, but God invented those. He can change them, he can alter them whenever he wants to. So hell can be a place of fire and still be dark. But maybe you don't want to be supernatural with me today, and that's fine. How about this? The people that go to hell are blinded. So if you are blind, it doesn't matter if there's fire all around you. You'll never see it. It'll be complete and total outer darkness. So whether you want to be supernatural and say God just suspends the laws of physics or changes them for hell, or whether you want to say, you know what, everybody's blind, they can't see, it doesn't matter to me. You don't want to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell. So let me ask you a few questions. Number one, are you investing what God has entrusted to you in the kingdom? I didn't ask if you're investing it in your retirement account. I didn't ask if you're investing it in a bank. I didn't ask if you're investing it in the church. What I asked you, are you investing what God has entrusted to you in the kingdom? Or are you even now earning condemnation for how you are using what God has entrusted to you? I don't know the answer to that question. Again, that's why I'm asking you. Are you investing what God has entrusted to you in a kingdom, or are you even now earning condemnation for how you are using what God has entrusted to you? I like this next expression I read this week. Does your performance match your profession? Does your performance match your profession? In other words, we all profess to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We profess to be Christians. But what about our actions? Does our performance, what we do, is that matching our profession? If so, one day we will hear, well done, you've been faithful. Otherwise, we'll be like this third servant who was called by the master, called him to be wicked and lazy. Does your performance match your profession? So we looked at commendation for two of the servants. The man says, well done, you've been faithful. Then we look at condemnation. He says, you've been wicked, you've been lazy, sends him to hell. Thirdly, I want us to look at promotion. The two faithful servants are promoted. Again, let's look at that from verse 21 that I did read. He said, you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And in verse 22, the same thing. Uh, verse 23, excuse me. He said, you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And so there's a promotion. The two faithful servants, they're promoted. They had been faithful over a few things. Now they could demonstrate their faithfulness over many things. They had been responsible. And now they'd be given more responsibility. Now, speaking of being responsible, 
A man goes on a job interview, and the boss says the company is looking for someone responsible. The man says, I'm your man. I'm definitely responsible. So the boss asks for proof. The man says, everywhere I've ever worked before, when something went wrong, everybody pointed at me and said, he's responsible. Again, they had been responsible over a few things. And now they'd be given more responsibility. What does that have to do with us? Well, the Bible says that we as believers will rule and reign with Christ one day. You can read about that in Revelation 20. We will rule and reign with Christ one day. But Paul elsewhere writes that we will be judges one day. We will judge the world and we will judge angels. Don't take my word for it. Take the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 2. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? And so if we've been faithful with what God has given us here, one day we get to heaven, we hear, well done, you've been faithful. And then during the millennial kingdom, we'll have an opportunity to rule and reign with Christ, to judge the world, and to judge angels. So we've seen the commendation, oh, excuse me, the commendation, yeah. Secondly, we've seen the condemnation. Thirdly, we've seen the promotion. And lastly, I want us to look at the invitation. What does this man say to the two faithful servants? He says, enter into the joy of thy Lord. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. In verse 21 and also verse 23, enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done, you've been faithful. Enter into my joy. The faithful are invited to join their master in a celebration. What would they be celebrating? Well, this would be a celebration, first of all, of the master's return. Remember, the master went away, and now he came back, and so it's a celebration of his return. Not only that, it would be a celebration of the master's increase. Remember, these two guys invested and gave him a return on his investment. How much? A 100% return. You're an accountant. 100% return. That's a good return, isn't it? 100%? And so it's a big celebration. The master's come back, and he really made a lot of money. But it would also be a celebration of the servant's faithfulness. Because those servants had been faithful, it was going to be a big celebration. They were included in it as well. For us, when we read that, enter into the joy of the Lord, this is a reference to heaven. First of all, heaven's the Lord's place. Notice what it says here, enter into the joy of thy Lord. So heaven is the Lord's place. Secondly, heaven is a joyous place. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Why is heaven a joyous place? Well, we will see Jesus face to face there. We'll be reunited with our loved ones there. But not only is heaven the Lord's place and not only is heaven a joyous place, heaven is a celebration place. Now, we're going to be celebrating in heaven not our faithfulness, but his faithfulness. And you know how long this celebration lasts? Forever. It is an eternal celebration of the faithfulness of God. But I've got one more thing to tell you about heaven. Not only is heaven the Lord's place and a joyous place and a celebration place, but heaven is a restricted place place. It's a restricted place. Heaven is available by invitation only. You say, well, how do I get an invitation? Well, I got some good news for you. Everyone's invited. Everyone's invited. It says, whosoever will may come. And so even though heaven is restricted to invitation only, 
The Lord has invited everybody to join him in heaven. But know this, just like here on earth, you've got to accept the invitation, right? And so God's invitation goes out, and it comes through his son Jesus, who died on the cross to pay for the sins of all who would believe. He was then buried, and the third day he rose again from the dead. This is your invitation to the joy of the Lord. Receive Christ as your Savior. Have your sins forgiven. Have eternal life granted to you, and you will be part of this eternal, never-ending celebration in heaven. However, if you don't receive the invitation, you're going to be like that wicked servant. And by default, hell is where you will spend eternity. And I don't care that you've heard, well, hell is going to be a big party and all my friends are going to be there. It ain't. Hell is horrible. Heaven is wonderful. One is damnation. One is celebration. Where would you rather spend eternity? So this morning, we looked at this parable about these servants. First of all, we see the commendation. Two of these servants did what they were supposed to do. They took the money, they invested it, they multiplied it. And the man comes back, he says, well done, you've been faithful. Commendation. And then secondly, we looked at condemnation. The one servant, well, he hid everything in the ground. He was afraid. He made excuses. And the man says, strip from him what he's got, throw him in hell. And then we looked at promotion. These two guys that had been faithful, that had done well, they were promoted. They were given more responsibility, even as we will one day. We'll rule and reign with Christ. We'll judge the world. We'll judge angels. But it all comes down to that invitation. The man invites those who had been faithful to enter into the celebration. The one that had been unfaithful, the one that was wicked and lazy, He's not coming in. Was he invited? Yes, he was invited. He was given money just like everybody else. He was given instructions just like everybody else. But he was unfaithful. He was wicked. Even as God sends out an invitation now through his son, Jesus Christ, receive Christ and be saved. Right here, right now, today. Yeah, but somebody might see me. Somebody's in the pew looking at me. Who cares? And it's none of their business, by the way. Receive Christ and receive your invitation to an eternal celebration in heaven. I would hate for anybody that's ever, that I've ever known, that I've ever seen, that I've ever even heard about, ever spend eternity in hell. It's so unnecessary. Yes, heaven is a restricted place. You've got to come by invitation only. But God invites everybody. You've been invited. Will you receive? the invitation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this time as we celebrate in worship. But this is nothing like the eternal celebration that we will have in heaven. Thank you that heaven is a real place and it's reserved for us. And even though it's restricted by invitation, you invite everyone. We thank you for being so gracious. If there are those here who've never received Christ as Savior, give them grace and faith to believe right here, right now. And for those of us who have received Christ, may we be faithful stewards of everything you've entrusted to us that one day we 
will enter into heaven and hear those words, well done, you've been faithful. We thank you in Jesus' name.